hey, tonight we want to deal with this area of compassion. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some messages that are preached that, that, are, that, that, that are easy to preach. And then there, there are some that are like, ah, dead gummit. Do, do I really have to share that? Out of all the things in Scripture, Lord, do we really need to camp out there? Well, tonight is one of those messages, compassion. Because if you're like me, there are probably some times in which you can trace back in your life and you can see, yeah, there were some times in which you probably uh, demonstrated compassion in great ways. And then there are probably just some moments, let's just be honest, that we've missed, right? So sometimes it may be what you're like, I wish I could have just done a little bit more, right? Well, tonight we're going to talk about compassion. Is that okay? And listen, it's already hit me in the gut three different times today. The fourth time is all right. It's good. I'm kind of, I need repetition, right? The more I I feel it or say it or speak it, hopefully it settles in a little bit more in in my life. But but here's what I want us to catch tonight as we venture and launch out into our our talk this evening. I, I believe that every one of us that have said yes to Jesus... Every one of us that would call ourselves a Christian or a Christ follower, I really believe that God calls us as Christians to show compassion to people in need. He calls us to. I, I, I don't believe that it's an option. I, I don't think that it's something that, that Jesus would say, hey, if you just feel like it. I just really believe that God's heart beats for people Did Pastor Chase knock it out of the park last Sunday as we talked about humanity, right? People matter to God for God so loved the the world. He loves people. And so I really believe that God calls us to minister to people and to show compassion. In fact, in the book of Psalm chapter 82, verses 3 through 4, I want to show you I'm not making this up. Look what God says. He says, give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. Compassion is a big deal to God. In fact, tonight, hopefully through our time together, you're going to see how he has demonstrated compassion. In fact, has God demonstrated compassion to anybody this week that you just know that he's, yes, he's been good to you. He's met a need in your life. In fact, here's what I believe in relation to this topic tonight. I believe that sometimes God allows our path to cross with people and he's calling on us to demonstrate this very thing, compassion. In fact, here's what I believe, that wherever you are, needy people are close by you. You don't have to go on a long search for them. You you don't have to go to another country like Oklahoma to find needy people. They are around us each and every day. They're close by. And I believe that God sometimes allows our path to cross with people in need so that we can demonstrate who he is even through being compassionate towards them. That's the person you work work next to and they just get on your nerves. It's that neighbor. It's that that fellow classmate for some of you students who are going, ah, even that person? Yes, I believe sometimes God brings them into our lives so that we can have an opportunity to show him off to them. Are you with me so far? Now, I want to look at a story tonight that that I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. This is a story that I remember as a kid. Uh, there, There wasn't some cute little song that we used to sing about this, but it was just a great story to me growing up. And and it's a story that probably many of you are familiar with, but I believe that it speaks to the heart of God 
in relation to compassion. I'm going to read tonight from Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, and for some today, some today said, I've never heard this. So I'm glad if you've not heard this, I mean, I'm glad you're here. You're going to hear a really great story from the word of God tonight. Now, before I begin reading in verse 30 is where you pick the story up in Luke 10. I want to give you some, some verses prior to verse 30 that I think are so important for us as we set the table. Okay, I like to call this bonus Bible time, all right? Anybody have a problem with me reading scripture that aren't in my notes? Okay, good. Um, You can never have enough. Does anybody read the Bible in this place? All right, seven. Good, here we go. Um, Let me just kind of share with you something happening before I get to verse 30 in the parable of the Good Samaritan. One day, it says in, in, in Luke 10, 25, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. A lawyer. Any lawyers present tonight? We had one this morning and we flogged him afterwards. And stum- I don't know if they'll be back. No, it's, he was one of our elders, actually. We need him. Um, but one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Lawyers ask questions, don't they? They ask good questions and they're especially clever and they're crafty. This guy asked Jesus, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Now, this gentleman was probably very well schooled and versed in in the law of Moses. He probably could quote it and recite it as many good Jewish boys could back in the day. And so he didn't, I don't think, have to pause when Jesus said, hey, what does the law of Moses say? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. We've probably heard those two before, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, you're right. Do this and you will live. Now this is a lawyer. And so he's not satisfied with that. He's going to continue to push the envelope. He's going to ask another question. That's just how they work, right? And so this lawyer does that. The man wanted to justify his actions. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And so beginning in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus then goes into this story about a good Samaritan. Look what he said. Jesus tells a story. He says, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was a distance of about 13 miles between the two cities. And he's he's attacked by bandits. This stretch of of highway between these two cities was notorious for thieves and bandits, people being robbed and mugged and and, and, and just uh, accosted along this, this highway. They stripped this man of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, there was a priest that came along. Praise God, right? The man's in good hands, like all state, right? By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and he passed him by. What? It's not supposed to happen. But there was a temple assistant that came by next. He walked over. Surely this guy's going to take care of the man in need temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Mm. Verse 33 says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. 
And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus asked this man, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, in this story tonight, I believe that there are some things that we can learn about compassion. In fact, I believe that Jesus clearly shows us in this story of the Good Samaritan what compassion looks like. Number one, here's what I believe. Compassion is based on need, not worth. It's based on need, not worth. Now, this story is pretty basic. And by the telling of it, Jesus makes a pretty clear point. I believe that even this lawyer, this, this, this expert in law, I believe that he even understood Jesus's point through this story. Now, there are some major characters in this parable of the Good Samaritan. The first we read about is a priest, a priest, the most holy of all Jews, says that he's walking down this road and he passes by, sees this man wounded lying there in the road. But we know through the reading of the story that the priest did not stop to help the man. In fact, it says that he crosses on the other side of the road. Now, I'm going to try to give the priest the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure that there were some very good priestly reasons as to why he acted unneighborly to this man that was lying there. For instance, by law, he could have defiled himself by coming in contact with a dead body. Now, this man in this story at this point is not dead, but why risk it anyway? Or maybe if he stopped, he might have been thinking, you know, this road is notorious for bandits, people being attacked and robbed. If I stop, there's a good chance that one of them are gonna jump out and grab me as well and rob me. And I just, I can't have that happening. What point would that prove, right? Or, or, or worse yet, maybe he thought, you know, if I stop and help this man, I might get my robe dirty. And, and I've got a photo shoot in the temple here in just a few minutes. And I can't go in there looking all dirty like I've helped someone, right? For Heaven forbid. And so I'm just going to pass by. This most holy of all Jews, a priest, did not think that this man lying in the road that day was worthy of saving. Next comes a Levite. The scripture calls him a temple assistant. That's what he was. He's, he's kind of like an altar boy. Any former altar boys in the room today? Anybody? <clears throat> yeah, he was, he was kind of like an altar boy. He was the priest right-hand man. Now, now one may ha- have thought that the priest was justified. The priest was justified in not stopping to help. But it gets pretty hard... <clears throat> for this temple assistant to make a case for his lack of involvement. I mean, he doesn't really have an excuse except for maybe his own apathy. The point is this, that these are two really good Jews and they see someone in need 
and they fail to respond. Now I know what you're thinking. I can't believe those Jews. Good Jewish people. Oh, church. Let's be careful not to point a finger. Because there might be some really good Christians that we know too. Maybe even present with us tonight. But let's just be honest. Push come to shove. Good chance we might have responded the same way that day, right? But for whatever reason... These two really good Jews, they walk on by their fellow Jew that's laying there in the road. Who who would be considered a neighbor by any religious experts to these men. But for whatever reason, as Jesus tells the story, these two men found this man lying there that day unworthy of compassion. Is that kind of hitting anybody in the gut yet? In fact, let me ask you a question. Have you ever passed by someone in need because you deemed him or her not worthy? Has there been a time in which you saw someone in need and and, and for whatever reason you just said, you know, gosh, they're not worthy right now of me stepping in to help meet a need. He's not worthy of my compassion Because he spent all of his money on liquor. And so he deserves to be hungry. She's not worthy because she got pregnant when she was 16. And so she deserves to be overworked and underpaid. He's not worthy because he gambled all his money away on fan duel or fantasy football. He deserves to be homeless. Have you ever passed by someone because maybe you had a similar attitude that they're not worthy of compassion? Remember, compassion is based on need, not worth. Does that make sense tonight? Second thing that I find that Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that compassion is emotional, not logical. It's emotional. Not logical. Verse 33 in that story said there was a despised Samaritan. What kind of a Samaritan? Despised. He came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. What is that all about? You see, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. This was kind of a Hatfield-McCoy relationship. The Samaritan and the Jews had nothing nor wanted anything to do with each other. These Samaritans were were considered to be half-breeds. They were descendants from from Jews who who had intermarried with the Babylonians during the Babylonian invasion. Jews wanted nothing to do. They they would avoid Samaritans at all costs. That that, that gives you a different picture of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, doesn't it? He was Jew and she was Samaritan, remember? Sir, why are you talking to me? Don't you get it? You see, the Jews and Samaritans wanted nothing to do. In in fact, the Jewish people would oftentimes walk greater distances around those areas that were Samaritan infested just so that they would not have to interact or by chance come in contact with a Samaritan. And Samaritans held the same attitude towards the Jewish people. They would do the same things. 
Now, based on this, knowing how Jews and Samaritans felt about one another, one might expect that this Samaritan in this story would, would maybe just go over to this man that's laying there in the road and just finish him off, put him out of his misery. I mean, he deserves it. He's a Jew. I don't like him. Ah, oh, but that's why this parable's called the Good Samaritan. <laughs> because this Samaritan, oh, he was so unlike others, wasn't he? You see, instead of going over to this Jew that's laying there in the road this day, this Good Samaritan goes and he shows what we're talking about tonight. He shows compassion. You know, that word compassion in the Greek is a vivid one. In fact, it means to stir in the bowels, to stir in the bowels, you know, kind of like when you eat Taco Bell, right? No, actually, it's, it's like how we might say he had a gut feeling. You ever had, you ever thought that? I just feel it in my gut. I just feel that that's what I should do. That there's no logical reason why the Samaritan would, would help this Jewish man out. He just had that feeling in his gut that he needed to. Has this ever happened to you? You ever been in a stoplight and looked over and there they are standing on the street corner, someone holding up a sign saying homeless or traveling or anything will help, loose change accepted or anything like that? You ever seen those people? Kind of panhandling is a term that we use or, or begging at the street corner. You, you, does that kind of throw any of you guys kind of in a lurch as to what you should do when you see that? I mean, how do you feel when you encounter someone on the side of the road begging? Do, do you, I do, do you ever wonder what you should do in that moment? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, great. Thank you. I thought it was just me with the problem. I mean, do, do you help them? Or, 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 or by helping them, am I just, am I just enabling them? And, and, and man, I, I would debate with myself. And, and I'm just sitting there, oh, Lord, can you please make this light turn green quickly? Don't, don't, don't make eye contact. Kids, don't look. Don't look, kids. What do you do? I mean, there's just no logical answer, no logical answer to this dilemma. Well, I finally found some peace with this problem when I realized that there isn't a logical solution. (laughs) There's no across the board, black and white answer. And so here's what I learned to do. I learned to follow my gut. I I, I learned just to to, to follow (coughs) that gut feeling. Sometimes my my gut feeling told me that (coughs) I should help. Other times, my my gut feeling was that I shouldn't. And you know, you simply can't respond to every plea for help. You ever tried to do that? You just can't. And so you have to learn to trust your gut. That stirring in the bowels. Now, for the Christian, for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, this gut feeling in us you, you, you know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit of God at work. It's the Holy Spirit that begins to stir. You say, hey, okay, this is what I want you to do. 
or this. Hey, and, and by the way, you, you know that Jesus didn't meet every need. You know that, right? There, there, there were people that Jesus passed by from time to time. Maybe he was focused or his father had called him to a certain task or a certain individual. And, and, and there were other people that Jesus must have passed by. And so trust your gut. The Holy Spirit will well up within you. The Holy Spirit will guide you and let you know what you should do. Does that make sense to anybody? This word compassion, it means literally to suffer with. To suffer with. And here's what I've come to understand. God is not calling you to fix people's problems, but to come alongside and enter into their suffering with them. You see, compassion is more than just throwing your time or throwing money at a problem. For me, that's freeing because it it means that I don't have to have all the answers. And I don't have to, to, to provide the solution. And I don't have to feel guilty because I can't help everyone everywhere. But I can suffer with them. I can come alongside and enter into their suffering with them, can't I? For instance, I don't have a solution and I can't solve cancer, but I can suffer with and come alongside cancer victims. I don't have the problem or the answer for, for the abused in our culture or people that are hungry and poor. But church, listen, I can suffer with them and come alongside and try to enter their world, can't I? I don't have uh, the solution or the answer for the orphaned. In fact, I, I, it drives me crazy why with so many kids who don't have a mom and dad, why in the world do we make it so difficult? Why? But I can suffer and come alongside and fight for the rights and defend the orphaned and the widow. And by the way, I don't know if you caught it in our announcement video, but next Sunday evening, you can come early at four o'clock and be a part of our reclaimed adoption ministry. As they're gonna gather, I'm telling you, it is so exciting what God's doing through this church with fostering and adopting children. So many families in our church are answering this call. I can't solve that issue, but but maybe some of you can come alongside. We can suffer with, can't we, and enter into their world? I I, I, I can't solve the problem or, or I don't know what the solution is for the club dancer, but we can be compassionate towards them. Those that are incarcerated, you see what I'm saying? That's compassion. It's compassion. God's not calling us to fix people's problems, church, but he's calling us to enter into their suffering with them. Does that make sense? I can feel compassion even if I can't solve the problem. Third thing I want us to see tonight is this. Compassion does something. Compassion Now, the priest and the Levite in this story of the Good Samaritan, they could have said, you know, I'm a compassionate person. But by their actions this day, would you call them compassionate? No. Why? They didn't do anything. 
But yet this Samaritan, this despised Samaritan does something. In verse 34, it says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and he bandaged them and he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. You see, here's the deal. This Samaritan, the good Samaritan saw a need and he had a gut feeling that he should do something about it. You see, that's the big difference between being sympathetic and being compassionate. Compassion moves you to do something. This Samaritan doesn't just pass by on the other side. We read in the story, he moved toward the injured man. Church, can I tell you something? It's not enough for us just to have a great sermon on being compassionate and for us just to make t-shirts and say, hey, we're compassionate. No, we must move towards people in order to express compassion. Are you with me? It's not something that just mystically happens. It's gonna require and take a concentrated effort. And oh, by the way, you need to know something. Compassion is oftentimes inconvenient. It's hard sometimes. When the big game's on and, 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 and your kid says, hey, dad, can you help me with something? No, ask your mom. Or when there's a phone call late at night. I wish people's needs happened between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. in what I do, but it just doesn't work out that way. I hate the weekends. You love it. I hate late nights. You like it. I don't. (laughs) Compassion sometimes is inconvenient, isn't it? But I don't want you to forget that the Samaritan in this story is moving towards someone. And and oh, by the way, remember the someone he's moving towards. It's someone that had the Samaritan and, and the roles been reversed here. This guy might not have responded the same way as the Samaritan did. In fact, he might have been attacking him and finishing him off. But yet we find, oh, this is a good Samaritan. And he responds to this man in need. The story says that he went to him. He soothed his wounds. He bandaged his wounds. He he put him on his donkey. He took him to an inn and he took care of him. In every one of these acts, he's demonstrating compassion. He's responding in a practical, a timely and unselfish way. I mean, for heaven's sake, he even put the, 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 the Jew, the wounded Jew, on his own donkey. You, you know what that means? That this Samaritan was probably riding his donkey, but he sees a wounded Jew and picks him up and puts him on. Guess where the Samaritan probably spent the rest of his journey? Walking. Can't you just see this picture? Can't you see the bandits that are hiding out in the hills going, uh, bandit dude, look what I see down here. Do you see that Samaritan and he's got a wounded Jew on his donkey? I just don't get it. Can you imagine how odd that must have looked? But here we find this Samaritan getting off of his donkey and placing this wounded man, taking him to an inn, giving the innkeeper money to take care of his needs. And oh, by the way, if his bills go higher than what I've given you, Just 
I'll come back, I promise, and I'll settle it with you later. Probably wasn't real convenient, was it, for this Samaritan to respond to this need. Listen, we may not be able to help everywhere. We may not be able to help everyone. But we can help someone somewhere. In fact, if I could just make it real clear and simple to you, I'm a simpleton. I really am. And if I, can I just speak direct and freely to you tonight? Here's what I think the parable of this, this the, the, the truth behind this parable is. Get off your donkey and do something. That's it. Get off your donkey and do something. In fact, I just wish that that's all Jesus would have said to that lawyer that day. Just get off your donkey and do something. Whew. Last thing tonight is this. You guys are awesome. You're so much better than the morning crowds. <laughs> Compassion costs something. Compassion costs something. Verse 35, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Hey, what kind of innkeeper does that? Just kind of lets a dude operate on credit like that. You know when you check into a hotel somewhere, you leave a credit card, right? And, and if you try to bolt without paying, they've already got your stuff. <laughs> this, this kind of speaks to the integrity and character of the Samaritan, doesn't it, as well? That somehow this innkeeper trusted him, knew him well enough that he would say, hey, bro, your name is good. Whatever it takes for, for me to take care of this wounded Jewish fella, I know that you'll make it right. But make no mistake about it. If we say we believe in compassion, if we say we're going to be compassionate people, it's going to cost something. Many of us, I know, would just rather give our time, or if we don't have time... Some of us would just rather give our money. And that makes us feel good, and it should. We did something, right? But this good Samaritan gave his time and his money. You you could say that this Samaritan gave his life for this injured man. You know, it reminds me of another man that we read about in the Bible that went above and beyond to help hurting, dying people. His name is Jesus. And the people that Jesus came to help were people like you and like me. You see, Jesus didn't just see that we were hurting or in need and and Jesus didn't just pray to to his father in heaven to send someone else to to deliver us from our misery Jesus didn't just say hey 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 God listen I've got 12 guys that I've been discipling and kind of raising them up to to try to act like me to try try to emulate me hey listen this might be a good test for for one of the 12 why don't you just Use one of them maybe to go and, 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 and save the world. No. You see, God demonstrated his love through Jesus. You see, Jesus took action. And he didn't just pray about it and he didn't just think about it. He didn't 
call a committed meeting together to, to, to see what they should do. He took action and did something about it, didn't he? Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it's, it's a long verse in the message. I would encourage you to read verses 6 to 8, but I love what verse 8 says. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still what? Sinners. You know what that means? Wretched, dirt bags, unworthy. While we were still that, Christ died for us. He took action. You and I had done nothing to deserve that, but yet it speaks of God's great love for us. If you're here tonight and you think you're unworthy, stop it because you are worthy of a great God in heaven's love. And you could do nothing to save yourself. This this Jewish man laying on the side could do nothing to save himself. But we might say that that Samaritan in the story represents Jesus who came to our rescue and he picked you up and he bandaged your wounds and he took care of you and he's given you a chance to live. You see, that's how much God loves you. And that's the type of step and action that Jesus took for you. And so church, listen, it's really simple for me that if I call myself a Christian, I'm called to a life of compassion. And listen, it's time for all of us to get up off of whatever we're sitting on and to help somebody if we're gonna call ourselves a Christian. Because that's what Christ has done for us. Church, listen to me tonight. This is a call to action. I'm tired of seeing us as the body of Christ content with gathering week in and week out to sit and soak. Listen, it's time for us to go and to be wrung out. It's time for us to take what we've learned and what we've been exposed to and go demonstrate it and live it in a world around us. Do you believe that? Now listen, maybe we can't change the world, but we can change our street. We may not be able to change the, the overall graduation rate of, uh, in high school, but hey, listen, can we not mentor one kid from being a high school dropout? Listen, wiping out hunger and poverty is, is, may seem like a daunting task, but listen, serving a meal for a hungry person on the weekend, I believe, is a great place to start. If enough of us got up off our donkeys, determined to be a part of this solution, to address the needs of other people and their problems. Listen, I believe that God could work through us to stop this downhill slide of so many people. So tonight, I'm just inviting you. I'm asking you, inviting you, not just inviting you to this life of service. I'm inviting you to get a life through service through meeting the needs and being compassionate people to a world around us. I love Jesus' response to that religious leader, that lawyer that day. Out of these three in this story, sir, which would you say was a neighbor to the man? 
easy, Jesus. It's the one who showed mercy. Yes. Now go and do.